from Eden by Fry, Volume 3, The Snowflake Collector, Chapter 9. So as not to chase away its wonder. It was a miserable Easter that the snowflake collector encountered, and Whitson was worse. Day after day the sun rose, but not he, not for hours. Most days he barely made it onto the bench outside his hut, and since he had no appetite, he didn't eat. And as he didn't eat, he grew gaunt, and the listlessness in his heart turned the skin that hung off his bones grey and painted his spirit all bleak. There would have been butterflies to colour his mind. There would have been cute little crocuses. The meadows turned yellow with dandelions and green with fresh, rich grass. And there were the multitude of insects with their implacable buzz and their hum. And the cows returned with their picture-book bells that lent the valley its melodic chime in the distance. The snowflake collected Cardinal. He went not on his walks, and he neglected his wood by the stream. He missed Janor, whose visits had become sparse, but he could not bring himself to wander down the path to the inn an hour or so from his hut, to nod his silent hello to him there, and ask for an ale from his mother, Yolanda. There was no point now to any of it. The pointlessness of it all was complete. It was an unusually sullen day in June, after a month of May full of sunny disposition bordering on the obnoxious, that the snowflake collector was sitting on his bench outside his hut when he saw Janosch climb up the path at a pace. He was in no hurry, Janor, since he, much as the snowflake collector, had eschewed the notion of hurry, or rather had never embraced it, but he was a good and energetic walker, and he was young, and so wherever he went, he went with a stride. Janor sat down next to the snowflake collector on his bench, but today he didn't even nod a hello, nor did he say anything. He just sat there, apparently more than a little perturbed. The snowflake collector did not speak either, but he looked over at him to find his friend staring ahead of himself at the ground. Something, the snowflake collector surmised, must have happened, most likely something to upset him, perhaps something that his mother Yolanda had said, though more likely something a teacher at school had remarked, or something his inadequate peers had done. But to ask, the snowflake collector felt, was to pry, and it was not in his nature to pry. 
nor was it in Janos's nature to expect him to. Thus, the young lad, who wasn't quite as young as sometimes he seemed, and the old man, who was nowhere near as old as he felt, sat there in silence for an hour or two, until something occurred that took them both by surprise. It started to snow. They were in the mountains at the end of the valley near the glacier now slowly receding just above the tree line. So snow in June was not unheard of for Janor and the snowflake collector. But although this had been an ill-favoured month, they weren't expecting it now. When Janor and the snowflake collector now looked at each other, they both burst out laughing. They had no good reason. It was just that they cut surreal figures in a picturesque setting at the onset of summer when it had started to snow. And at this precise moment, for the first time, they realized this. The snowflake collector got up and with a few moves cleared the wooden table outside his hut, then went into his kitchen and brought out a box that had in it the glass cubes he'd made. He brought out the bottles of liquids that he had bought and mixed and experimented with throughout the winter, and he stood at the table outside his hut, Janosch watching him in fascination and noting down ratios and combinations with a heavy pencil directly onto the heavy table, he began developing new solutions, one emerging from the other, building on any progress he was making and discarding any failures without grief. Three hours and forty odd minutes went by in this manner, before he needed a short break for comfort, and he disappeared momentarily, leaving on his table three cubes, each with a marginally different solution in it, and maybe he forgot, or maybe his subconscious willed him to omit laying any kind of cover on them, but Janosch sat and watched in an astonishment that unclenched his own heart, how a gorgeous snowflake eased itself directly into the cube in the middle and stayed. Janosch got up from his bench slowly. Carefully he advanced on the miracle he was sole witness to and hesitantly, reluctantly, lest he should undo it, lest a shake or a wobble or the hot breath from his nostrils should disturb it, he, holding on to the weighty wooden table, squatted down and watched and watched. He didn't notice that the snowflake collector had long since appeared behind him and in turn observed the scene from just a little distance also so as not to chase away its wonder. Then 
the snowflake collector became aware of another fat snowflake making its way just about straight into the same cube and he darted forward and caught that one with his hand while with his other hand supporting himself on Janosch to avoid knocking the table. Softly now he covered the cube with its purpose-cut lid and squatted down beside Janosch to examine its beauty. It was perfect. The liquid in which the snowflake now floated was completely clear and the snowflake was still intact. Minutes after immersing itself, it retained its shape, its intricate structure, its delicacy. It was miraculous. But could it last? The temperature outside on this day was just a few degrees above freezing. Would the snowflake, once brought inside, now melt and dissipate into its ether? The snowflake collector barely dared touch it, but he fixed the lid to its cube now with a permanent seal of glue and left it standing there. Time would tell. Snowfall in June doesn't tend to last very long. Soon the sun would appear and subject his experiment to the most unforgiving of tests. Janosch went home as he usually did around this time when he had come to visit during the day. And the snowflake collector went inside his hut to lie down. He was exhausted. And although he had no certainty yet, and certainly no evidence that this latest effort of his would bear fruit, that it worked, that his snowflake would still be there in the morning, he already sensed the unbearable burden of sorrow ease off his chest. Each breath of air he took in filled him deeper with reconciliation. And for a moment he remembered that he hadn't named his snowflake. No matter, he thought as his eyelids grew heavy and he slowly surrendered to sleep. It can wait. If the snowflake is still a snowflake, next time I wake, it shall have a name.